What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All of the Above Podcast Extra. Those of you who've been rocking with us for a minute, you know that we normally drop these passing periods in between our full episodes. Our full episodes of All of the Above feature super dope guests and our video format and a whole bunch of other stuff. And um, during the wrap up of the school year and transition into summer and all that, this two person operation here at All of the Above um, has been a bit busy. So we've dropped several passing periods in a row, which are audio only. It's a lot easier to record these and just throw them up there on the podcast feeds. This is our in between full episode type of thing. And uh, we take this as a moment to address some stories that maybe didn't make it into our most recent full episode. My name is Manuel Resson, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. And before we get into today's passing period, I just want to point out that um, Jeff, who's who's here with me, um, he and I just had a super dope conversation with next week's guests. We have two super dope guests for next week's All of the Above. We will be back at you next week with a full episode featuring uh, several headlines and shout outs and a seminar conversation about humanizing education. And our two guests, uh, Chris McNutt and Nick Covington of the Human Restoration Project, um, really, really bring the fire to the conversation about what humanizing education looks like and how we can together uh, work towards a future of having an education system that is truly human-centered. And with that in mind, we do wanna let y'all know, those of you who are listening, that um, we very much hope that you look into and go to their virtual conference that is coming up at the end of July, the Conference to Restore Humanity. It's from July 25th through July 28th, and it will be a fantastic event where folks could um, learn more about and work in collaboration to build human-centered schools that advocate for students and educators. So definitely um, hit up humanrestorationproject.org for more information about that, and definitely tune in next week for next week's All of the Above episode with Chris McNutt and Nick Cummington, where we will dive deeper into what does it actually mean to have a humanizing classroom or a humanizing school? So definitely don't want to miss that. Jeff, man, it is Saturday, June 25th, as we record this, and somebody might be listening today. Actually, it depends on if we get this out in time, um, a little behind the scenes uh, information there, but they might be listening this weekend or, you know, they might be listening after after a couple of days have already passed. And right now, of course, there's one thing that is top of mind for sure. Jeff, man, what's, um, where are you at right now in thinking about, thinking about yesterday's big news that we knew was coming, we knew it was coming, but still, it, it still hits, man. It still hits in a way that like, even though you knew it was coming, it's still something that is just, uh, hard to grapple with. And of course, that's the, the road decision of yesterday, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, uh, in this week's passing period. But Jeff, how are you doing right now at this moment as we record? You know, man. Well, I'm. I am doing uh, <laughs> as well as I can. I would say. I think um, I, I put up a, a little bit of a rant as I want to do on Facebook uh, yesterday, and it started with the line that uh, we are we are living in revolutionary times, and I think uh, I think that is fundamentally true. That uh, what we saw yesterday from the United States Supreme Court, which is comprised of uh, a majority of justices who either represent a seat that was stolen in the case of Neil Gorsuch, uh, represent and just a uh, an overtly despicable 
slap in the face to black America in the form of uh, America's favorite Uncle Tom, Clarence Thomas. Um, you know, a justice who is both uh, financially corrupt, uh, perjured himself before Congress and credibly accused of sexual assault, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, a justice who can only be described as uh, not qualified at the point that she was appointed and also representative of a deeply problematic extremist fundamentalist Christian perspective that she is imposing through her judicial practice uh, on the rest of us uh, in the hopes of creating a, a Christian nationalist theocracy, Amy Coney Barrett. Um, you know, a justice who is a uh, champion of, of torture, uh, two justices who were champions of torture uh, during the Bush era in John Roberts and Samuel Alito. Um, right. So like this is this is who we have on the court. Right. A collection of some of the most reprehensible human beings in our country. Uh, and I'm, I, I mean, literally no hyperbole when I say that, like people who have ill will towards large segments of our society and use their power to exercise it in the form of policy violence uh, and are deeply hypocritical in how they engage uh, in, in public discourse. Um, and so that set of individuals carried out not only the, the, you know, the end of Roe versus Wade, which as you said, we'll come to, but, um, but also through the lens of education, um, a deeply troubling decision uh, coming out of the state of Maine uh, yesterday as well. And that was in the case, um, the case of Carson versus Macon, uh, which some folks may have heard about, but honestly, in all the, the well-deserved hullabaloo about Roe, Manuel, uh, folks may not have heard about. Um, and this was a case where um, that, that conservatives who wanted to fight this fight strategically chose this, uh, this laboratory uh, in the state of Maine because it's very convenient for them. Because folks may not know, but Maine is an extremely rural state. It's a much larger state geographically than I think a lot of people think of in their heads. And um, in the northern parts of Maine especially, there are like deeply, deeply rural parts of the state where there's no roads, there's no like, you know, um, there's, it's, it's maybe more similar to like Alaska in some ways in terms of like you access through rivers and plains and stuff, right? Um, or through like logging roads and things, right? And so very, very rural uh, parts of the state. And because of that, there are places in the state where the state doesn't uh, function, doesn't have functioning public school systems. So in those cases, the state has used public school dollars to pay for kids to attend a private school that they can access. Um, but the state has held up until yesterday that those dollars could not be used to fund a religious private school. They could fund a, fund a you know, independent, non-sectarian public school. Um, this, of course, was challenged strategically uh, up through the courts. They lost uh, at the district court level. They lost at the appellate court level. Um, and, uh, and they wound up bringing it to the Supreme Court, where the collection of folks who I just named earlier uh, ruled that 
it is unconstitutional. It is a violation of the free exercise clause of the First Amendment for the state, any state, to outlaw the use of dollars um, if the state decides to use them on funding private schools um, to, to outlaw the use of those dollars on private schools solely on the base of them, of their religious affiliation, right? And they said, not only is that a violation of the free exercise clause of the First Amendment, it is not a violation of the establishment clause of the First Amendment, which is the, the legal fancy way of saying what we all really know to be the heart of the First Amendment, which is the separation of church and state, right? Um, and that language is, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. Right. Um, so so the court has just simply invented its own fundamentalist Christian idea that uh, it's OK to fund religious schools because that is protecting the free exercise rights of families who want to attend uh, religious school. But somehow it also doesn't mean that the government is now in the business of supporting a a religion uh, and establishing some proxy version of state-sanctioned religion. Uh, so this throws everything we've ever known about the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause on its head, effectively, and you can be damn sure that they're not going to support public dollars going to the Sharia Academy of Maine or the Orthodox Jewish Academy of Maine. <laughs> Maybe they would let the Jews get away with it. They kind of like Jews, the, uh, the, the nutty right-wing Christians, for whatever reason. But uh, you, you know they're not supporting the mosques and the, you know, <laughs> the other religions that they don't like and think are dirty, uh, Manuel. But here we are. Uh, public dollars supporting religious schools is now constitutional across the board in the United States. And you can be absolutely sure that the onslaught of the flow of public dollars in places uh, throughout this country, particularly in the South, particularly in the upper Midwest, particularly in the rural mountain states, is about to flow, Manuel. So, yeah. uh, so I'm bitter. I'm pissed off. I'm feeling like uh, we're moving towards theocracy, and it's a bad look. Uh, and that's how I'm feeling today. <laughs> Yeah, bad look is uh, an understatement. You're correct. Uh, very bad look. And it's important to note that many religious uh, private schools that are out there are also explicitly anti-LGBTQ. Like they, they inflict harm upon any young person who is uh, perhaps grappling with their own gender identity and sexual orientation. And I think we've done stories in the past uh, on the show, Jeff, about uh, particular schools. I think there was one in Florida or something that we did a Do Now story on uh, years ago about a, uh, a, a student who, what was, I'm trying to remember the details of the story. It was a student that was um, filing claim against her uh, independent school for inflicting harm upon her upon uh, finding out that she was a lesbian. Yeah, yeah, this is um, the, the amount of violence being inflicted upon folks across the nation belonging to marginalized communities is, is swinging up in a very, very big way. 
whether through this, whether through the road decision, whether through the continued onslaught of, of bills uh, passing through state legislatures, outlawing this, outlawing that, banning this, banning that, um, whether it be outright physical violence um, being targeted at pride events. And we saw, of course, that case of the truckload of uh, white supremacists that was that was caught uh, trying to interfere with pride events in, I think that was in Idaho. Um, yeah, it's very dangerous, very tough times. And for, for me, looking at a case like this, it's it's always been really the hypocrisy and the gaslighting that has been most difficult to deal with. Because if you're looking for logic, if you're looking for consistency, if you're looking for um, like just real argumentation, like you're not going to find it in any of these things that are happening. Because on the one hand, it's like, oh, states shouldn't have the power to have a say in what kind of weapons a person has. So they had that court case, of course, that was going against um, New York and other states uh, attempts to limit the amount of concealed carries. Like states shouldn't have that power. And then in the next breath, oh, states should totally have the power of over a woman's health and a woman's body. And, you know, in this case, it's, they're saying that the Program in Maine, Justice Roberts wrote that there's nothing neutral about Maine's program. The state pays tuition for certain students at private schools, so long as the schools are not religion. That's discrimination against religion. So this whole idea of religious freedom and what he's calling discrimination against religion, it doesn't stack up because you don't see that when it comes to other religions. You just don't at all. And to, to say that it's discriminating against a religion by not allowing public dollars to go to a religious school just flies in the face of everything we've come to know or be told about um, separation of church and state. It just it just doesn't add up, it doesn't stack up, it doesn't make sense. And as an educator, one of my concerns is that this will inevitably lead to the next step because of course, all that has happened in just the last week with these different rulings coming out, like it's not like they're just gonna stop here. It's not like this court is gonna just retire and be like, okay, mission accomplished, we're done. Nothing else to do. Uh, obviously, there's gonna be next steps. And in the case of the road decision, those next steps could be, uh, as Uncle Clarence suggested, uh, taking another look at same-sex marriage and contraceptive, uh, uh, contraceptives and things like that. Um, in this case, the next step might be, okay, well, we have charter programs out there and how come states are providing funding for these charter schools, but they're not providing funding for charter schools that uh, want uh, want to be religious or have a religious theme through. Like, I think that's like the inevitable next step here. And eventually you just get closer and closer and closer to a world where public money is being spent on religious schools and private institutions. And the public school system, as we understand it now, um, cannot sustain all of this money draining out of its pockets and into a private private schools and religious schools and the system itself um, thereby cannot cannot continue as a, a robust system. And that ultimately is the goal for a lot of folks who um, want to see the public school system be dismantled and taken apart because that's quote unquote big government. We don't want big government, except for when it comes to big government telling you what to do with your own body. So it's just um, the hypocrisy, the gaslighting is very, very frustrating. And knowing how we got here, now, you know, this is not a quote unquote political podcast in the sense of that we're not here um, week after week, you know, dissecting the latest in politics and talking about, um, you know, democratic strategy and Republican strategy and this and that. But just like looking at this court and how it was created, how the folks on the, the court got there is just enraging because our adulthood, Jeff, has been spent looking at multiple Republican presidents be elected without the popular vote without a majority of Americans supporting them and having so many picks put on the court who outright lied during testimony. And here we have a completely 
illegitimate body with so much power and it is just so, so tough to grapple with. It is just enraging. But in the case of these schools in Maine and uh, money going to religious schools, man, uh, that slippery slope, we done slipped and we are we are tumbling down, uh, sliding yeah. down that slope <laughs> and we will see where it all ends. We done slipped. I think that needs to be the title of this. Uh, <laughs> this we done episode. slipped. Yes. We done slipped, and we we ain't done slipping. Uh, yeah, slipping I, and so, sliding, baby. <laughs> I think, Manuel, the uh, this the slipping and sliding towards theocracy and authoritarianism is is scary and real. And I, I love what you, the the kind of road you were going down a moment ago, especially around. Um, you know the the overtly discriminatory stance that many religions and and religious schools take towards certain communities. Um, now, in the case of right wing Christianity, the highest perhaps among those groups or among the most overtly discriminated against groups, uh, it, given their views, is LGBTQ folks uh, for sure. Right, so they you know would fire. Uh, uh, Educators who are openly gay, for example, um, I'm sure they're from a health insurance perspective. They would deny like gender affirming health care to trans folks. Um, these are schools that could have policies that are sexist, deeply sexist, right? Like girls, you know, have to wear skirts and can't wear pants, or you know, girls and boys don't have equal opportunity to, uh, you know, say for sports or other kinds of things. Um, you know, at, at the school site, um, they can have all kinds of discriminatory policies. They could, they could not, they could not admit black students, for example, right? <laughs> um, or they right. could outlaw interracial dating among students, or anything you can imagine that's discriminatory. Religions can do if they want to, right? Now, I think it's disgusting yeah. and despicable, but I also, as a person who actually believes in freedom, think that, hey, you know what? It is a free world. If you and your religion want to be hateful inside your little room, I'm, I don't think we should uh, have to stop you, provided that you're not, you know, hurting people and, and spreading your, hurt, your hate and hurt. Um, but this is where it's going to get interesting, Manuel, because uh, once the state starts funding religious schools, everything else that the state funds has to abide by the rules of the state. And most states in this country have some provision in their own either state law or state constitution that bans discrimination in some way, right? Um, and because of the incorporation of uh, of laws through the 14th Amendment, um, you know, most aspects of commerce and state function are also subject to provisions in things like um, the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title IX, right? The, um, the provisions of federal law that outlaw or at least make it difficult to engage in discriminatory practices against marginalized classes of people, uh, which includes racial groups, women, um, you know, in some cases, LGBTQ folks. Uh, so so my, my question, which I know the answer to, Manuel, is now that you're accepting state dollars, are you going to follow the requirements that come with those dollars to, to engage in just equitable, 
non-discriminatory behavior? And you know the answer is no. And you know that when it's challenged, the court is going to, with only the level of uh, gaslighting and hypocrisy that right-wing conservatives can muster, uh, <laughs> is going to look at us with a straight face and say, well, of, of course, you know, religious institutions don't have to uphold the, you know, the state's uh, laws about non-discriminatory behavior, that would in fact be a violation of the, the establishment clause of the Constitution because now the state would be establishing what religions have to believe. And that, and that is a violation uh, of their First Amendment freedoms, right? Um, so we have to give them money, but we can't tell them what to do with that money. So here's money. Go ahead and be hateful and discriminatory. Uh, you know, freedom. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this to me is the real danger of where this is going, right? It's like massive infusions of public dollars into uh, the coffers of discriminatory religious institutions. And it, I think it's morally wrong. It's politically wrong. Um, and, you know, it is, the reality is in every state across the country, this is going to become an issue because at least every state that I'm aware of, has at least some level public dollars that go to private schools of some sort. Because even if it's just a tiny set of schools at the margins for like the most um, high need uh, students with special needs, for example, usually your typical public school system like doesn't fund all those levels of services. And so they contract with like non-public schools or independent schools to provide different kinds of services. So you know, Every state in the union has like even a few bucks going in, into private educational institutions, and that is going to give the green light for the expansion using this ridiculous legal, you know, justification here to just open the floodgates to to drain further drain dollars from public schools and pour it into these religious institutions, many of which are frankly deeply problematic. Yeah. Yeah. And that actually, you know, I found the story um, that I was trying to remember uh, at the top of this conversation that I didn't remember about the school in Florida. And yeah, it was a, a story by Rebecca Klein uh, when she used to be back at a Huffington Post about uh, a private school in Florida that was receiving public funds through various vouchers and this and that and was pushing conversion therapy mm. on uh, yep. students who it suspected were uh, were gay. And she profiles uh, Megan Michigan and her story of bullying and trauma and all that as they try to force her into uh, conversion therapy. And yeah, that's what a lot of... Um, a lot of the schools do, and uh, a lot of these types of uh, religious fundamentalist schools do. And it kind of takes me back to, you know, we talk about California, and California is uh, this liberal bastion over here on the West Coast. And California actually used to be used to be an open carry state where you could uh, walk around openly uh, with firearms. And then the Black Panthers showed up to the state capitol um, armed and in protest of all that was happening and continues to happen. And uh, then Governor um, Ronald Reagan said, yeah, enough with that open carry. So um, to your point of what you said earlier, like this really is only directed at certain types of religious schools in terms of like what they want. And, you know, let the Nation of Islam set up some schools, let Louis Farrakhan mm -hmm. set up a, a network of schools, and we'll see if if those schools still qualify for these funds, I'm sure they'll find a way to restrict and, and stop those kind of uh, religious schools from getting funds because, of course, in their eyes, that's not uh, religion at all. There's only one religion that they uh, that they think about and center when having these um, moves towards the theocracy that you mentioned. Yeah, man, it's very, man, it's just, um, 
it's just frustrating, man. It's just frustrating. And then, you know, on top of that, the the fact that there's going to be a ruling, you know, any day now, sometime soon about the football coach who um, who's suing because he was fired for leading prayer during, you know, I might be missing the details. I think it was during halftime. Maybe it was after after school. And, um, you know, I could I could only guess that they're going to say it was totally fine for this uh, football coach to lead his his team through prayer. And was, we're just marching step by step. Um Towards towards a world that is certainly not about freedom, at least not freedom for all, not freedom for especially our most marginalized, freedom for one particular group, and then control for everybody else. And that is simply um, the the clear direction that our nation is heading in. And it's a uh, very very tough stuff, man. Very tough stuff. So yeah, I don't even know what else really to say about it besides uh, we you know it just highlights the importance of us educators and us who are uh, who work within. And throughout the education system to really continue to fight hard to build systems that are humanizing, loving systems for our young people. Because our young people, man, they are increasingly facing a world, a reality where a lot of the things that we used to just take for granted, some of the freedoms, some of the rights that we used to take for granted um, are simply just under attack straight up. And uh, mm-hmm. as uncertain the world, as uncertain as the world already has been, it just continues uh, to become even more uncertain. So, you know, I teach high schoolers and um, I'm sure I've had uh, several high school students who've had to um, make decisions about their own body in the case of um, abortion. And the road decision is, of course, going to impact so many of our young people, um, whether they be, you know, uh, students or not, whether they be high schoolers or not, whether they be uh, girls or not, it's going to impact so many folks. And it's just... um, Yet another layer of dehumanization, another layer of of control, another layer of there's only one way to live and you have to live our way um, that like students are going to have to navigate and going to have to um, contend with as they grow up and as they uh, mature and as they face the just the realities of our times, man. It's a uh, it's tough stuff, man. It is, man. It is, and and you know, since you brought up control and brought up uh, the 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 road decision, uh, let's let's go a little bit deeper uh, down the road. Uh, you know, in that case as well. And this is, of course, the um, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization uh, case that uh, came up through the courts uh, from the state of Mississippi. And uh, that, you know, of course, dominated yesterday's headlines and today's headlines for that matter, too. Um, Outlawing and uh, I shouldn't say outlawing, but I should say overturning um, the infamous Roe versus Wade decision uh, from the 70s that uh, protected, constitutionally protected uh, women's right to abortion under at least certain, you know, circumstances. And... um, and now that right has been taken away. The court has ruled officially that there is no constitutional right to an abortion and that this question shall be returned to the states. And of course, we have, uh, I think it's 26 states, if I'm remembering the number correctly, uh, that have already uh, either because of trigger laws placed uh, now into effect outright bans on abortion across the board, many with no exceptions whatsoever, some with only vague exceptions for the health of the mother, others with only vague exceptions in the case of rape and incest. Um, And there are certainly other states who may not have had trigger laws on the books, but have other laws now in process uh, to 
to essentially have outright bans on uh, a woman's right to abortion. And, you know, along with outright bans on abortion, Manuel, comes the criminalization of those who have abortions, comes the criminalization of those who have things that are because of the insanity of our right-wing uh, brothers and sisters, um, are, are sort of abortion-adjacent, like ectopic pregnancies, miscarriages, uh, that, that these folks on the right believe, you know, represent some kind of willful termination of a pregnancy, either on the part of a woman or a person who could become pregnant, or a medical provider uh, who helps them for example, not die because of an ectopic pregnancy uh, when they believe that that could be somehow implanted into the uterus and brought to term. Um, and so through the lens of education, Manuel, there are, when we think about some of the people who stand to have the most life-destructive uh, versions of, a, of the effect of this policy, right? Which is not at all to minimize, let's say you're a 40-year-old 40, 40 woman who becomes surprisingly pregnant and you don't have the financial resources and you're in an abusive relationship and you don't want to have your abuser's child. I mean, that's horrible, right? Um, and Or you just say, I thought I was done with having kids and I don't want to have any more and this is, you know, disruptive to my life and stuff. That Those are big, big issues. Now, let's look at that with regard to, say, a 12-year-old who is, by definition, raped because 12-year-olds don't give consent to have sex with adults uh, or older male, uh, you know, counterparts um, and are now being compelled by their state to carry that child to term and to become a mother um, at, you know, the tender middle school age or high school age that they may be. Let's think about college students, adult uh, women, but younger, the youngest adult women that there are, um, you know, who most of whom are totally financially dependent on their parents or on, you know, loans and stuff from their school or the states, uh, you know, having to potentially drop out of school because, you know, how can you become a parent, you know, living in the dorms or whatever, right? Like that's, it's not really a suitable environment to do that uh, with. So, we are condemning a generation of younger women to either become criminals in the eyes of the state, have to seek out dramatically disruptive and expensive uh, uh, relief, like traveling across the country to a state that does have abortion or that sort of thing, um, or to engage in incredibly high-risk, dangerous behaviors to seek out a black market abortion, which is was a widespread phenomenon earlier in this country's history, um, pre-Roe, you know, we all heard the stories about the rusty coat hangers and the, you know, alley, quote unquote, doctors who would, you know, give people various tinctures that cause all kinds of medical problems or, you know, you have your partner kick you in the stomach or you pretend to fall down the stairs or, you know, whatever these things are that cause real medical harm to women facing these impossible choices, right? And we have condemned now a generation of school children, frankly, uh, who become pregnant only under the worst possible situations, right? Only under rape and or like just being young and not knowing how to or not having access to uh, 
reliable birth control uh, to have to bring children into this world when in fact our society is among the worst uh, among the wealthy nations in the world that actually caring for young mothers without much financial means and helping them become uh, stable, healthy parents and families. So, and think of what that's gonna do to the messages that we have to send in school to the thing, you know, the kind of conversations we have to have uh, in these states with parents and caregivers uh, of those young women. Think about what that's gonna do to disruption to their educational trajectory and experience, right? Um, I mean, this this is going to be devastating for a generation of, of school children. And they haven't even gotten to the point yet, Manuel, which of course Uncle Clarence told us is coming next, getting rid of access to or limiting access to contraception, right? Uh, yeah, limiting yeah. access. We already have piss poor sex education across the country in many states, right? So like this, this they want this to be a problem and a growing problem right? yeah, um, yeah. By, by their range of policies. So this this is a mess, Manuel, in terms of the, the education mess. Yeah, it certainly is. And again, it's just uh, the current rounds because this is by no means, no means over. And in fact, you know, if I was like a right-wing fanatical type person, I'd be thinking about the next challenge. Uh, off a of hand, I'm, I, I would already be thinking like, okay, I'm gonna sue this school for sex ed because you know, this, that, whatever, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. I, I will be, I will just be throwing, like this is the time for, for those on the right wing, this is the time to go after everything um, that they don't like. And uh, the, the fertile ground is there for them to get their way because that's how things are set up right now. So, uh, you know, can't tell me to wear a mask, but uh, you can definitely tell everybody to carry a baby to term. Can't tell me what kind of, you know, weapon I could have or if I could have a weapon or whatever. But, you know, we could certainly uh, sit back and let more and more schools face um, massacres and, and shootings and all that. It's just a very, very, uh, very crazy times, man. Uh, very tough times. Uh, I saw, I don't, I don't remember who posted it, so I can't credit them, but somebody yesterday on Twitter um, posted that they're just sick and tired of living in unprecedented times because it's been unprecedented times for so many years now and it's not gonna end like um, that phrase perhaps needs to be retired because these are the times, these are the times um, for sure. So yeah, man, I mean, I don't even know what else to say uh, You know, on any of that. It's um. You know, I, I would remind folks to take care of yourself. For some folks, the the social media continued scrolling and continued like ranting into the the social media space like helps them feel better, helps them feel like they're in community with others who are also outraged. But um, for other folks like myself, um, it it doesn't leave me with pleasant feelings and I have to like remind myself to get off there, uh, to get off because like seeing, you know, 20 different people who are also outraged and seeing that, you know, 20 different angles of the outrage, um, for me, it just makes things feel even more overwhelming, but they are legitimately overwhelming, but you know, take care of yourself, whatever that looks like for you. Um, I have recently, <laughs> recently, um, discovered a few spaces on, on TikTok, I hate to say it, um, that are just like a few comedy spaces, a few hip hop spaces that are just, um, giving me the joy that I need where I could scroll and not, not worry about being hit with, um, the calamity of our present times. But yeah, y'all take, take care of yourself. Uh, if doom scrolling is, not helping you feel any better then perhaps do less of it. And um, I, I really, I got nothing else to say, man. I got nothing else to say. None of this is going away anytime soon. So 
We got each other. We got our AOTA family. We got like-minded educators out there who want to create or help students uh, learn how to create a better world. So yeah, man, we got to stick together and keep having our conversations that, we, that we've been having. Um, and that's that on that. Jeff, what else we got? Anything else before we get out of here? Yeah, man, I think you said it right. That is that, is that on that. Uh, <laughs> we, we got us, I think, is maybe the other phrase that, uh, that maybe comes to mind. Like, yeah. I, we are, these are revolutionary times. We are living in a context where the, the will and needs of the people uh, bears no relation to the kind of policies we get from our, our elected or unelected leadership. And uh, the, these are dangerous periods in history because they can become quite explosive uh, quickly and can descend in various directions to places that, you know, that aren't so good. But, um, but there's also great potential for liberation and um, imagination about a better world. Um, and I, I am hoping and hopeful, despite all the odds, that we can find our way, you know, down one of those paths because... Uh, it's, it's simply unsustainable to continue doing what, what we're seeing done, right? To condemn, you know, middle school and high school age children to have to bring children into this world. Uh, you know, we, we can't do that forever, right? Um, and so it's going to be a little rough right now uh, for a lot of people. And hopefully this also gives us the, the impetus, the sense of righteousness, the motivation to organize, to actually take power or use the power that we have um, to take power and, and make changes because uh, it's, it's morally intolerable, um, frankly, what's, what is coming down from the court. And um, as educators, as schools and school systems, we uh, are being forced to be complicit uh, in this in some way. And that is also, I think, ethically and professionally intolerable. And so, um, you know, we, we got work to do, man. We got work to do. Yeah. Lots of it. Lots of it. All right, folks, um, we will see you next week with a full episode of All of the Above. Uh, anybody who's still listening at the moment, shout out to you. Uh, hugs, love, all that good stuff, your direction. Well, we hope you have a fantastic week. And, um, Again, for anybody out there, all of our previous episodes, all the links to everything, all that stuff, everything, everything, AOTAshow.com is where you can find all that. All right. So next week, we got Chris McNutt, Nick Cummington of the Human Restoration Project. But until then, it's time for you to go ahead and get to class. <laughs>